and welcome to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting from two shipping containers outside Roberta's Pizza at 261 Moore Street in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Today's show is produced by Jack Inslee and engineered by Nat Wiener and is sponsored by Hearst Ranch. Hearst Ranch is the nation's largest single-source supplier of free-range, all-natural, grass-fed, and grass-finished beef. Since 1865, the Hearst family has raised cattle on the rich, sustainable native grasslands of the central California coast. The result is beef with extraordinary flavor that's as memorable and natural as the surrounding landscape. For more information, go to www.hearstranch.com. I'm Carmen DeVito. And I'm Alice Marcus Craig. And we are the ladies of Groundworks, Inc. We design and build gardens in New York City and the surrounding area. And this show aims to bring the culture to horticulture, even in August. <laughs> <laughs> well, culture is a good word for today's show. That's right. Today, we're going to be talking about Vitus vinifera, or the grape, and natural home winemaking with someone that I know very well, Mario DeVito. Mario is a home winemaker and also, by no coincidence, my dad. <laughs> Mario is a native of the Irpinia region of Italy and has been growing grapes and making homemade wine for more than 60 years. And most of his vintages are pretty good. They're really good. <laughs> Welcome, Mario. Yes. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Mario. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. 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 So we're going to go in a little bit into the history of uh, the grape, and then we're going to um, get you on, Mario, and to, to answer some questions about growing grapes and then um, turning them into wine. Okay. Okay. Now, the grape, or Vitis vinifera, is part of the Vitaceae family of plants, and there are about two dozen species of the wild grape, and of course, countless cultivars that are bred for table and winemaking. And when I was doing research for this show, um, I was trying to find out when the earliest uh, sort of evidence of wine making was. Bacchus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but even earlier than that, actually, right. um, evidence of wine production can be found in ceramic jars at the remains of a Neolithic village in present-day Georgia, dating to around 6,000 B.C. And that's not Georgia... Not As not in Atlanta. <laughs> no, States. no. Actually, Georgia still makes wine. Um, yeah. I live in a neighborhood that has a lot of Russian immigrants, right? And they, there's a lot of Georgian wines on the shelves. I haven't had the courage as an Italian to purchase any yet, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, I you should have a cross border, so to speak. I do. I, I should. I should try them. There's also evidence of winemaking at this time um, comes from present-day Iran, from 5,000 to 5,400 BC. But because the samples that they're testing are so old, the data is not. 100% reliable, but um, if these results are ac accurate, then winemaking would have originated in present-day Georgia and then sort of spread its way south to Greece and then Italy. Um, scientists also believe that whatever winemaking took place in these ancient times, the vintners were using the wild grape, mm -hmm. Vitis vinifera. Real cultivation didn't take place until much later. In fact, um, archaeological evidence for the earliest domestication of grapes points to a time of around 3200 BC in the Near East. There was, there was also wine cultivation in ancient Egypt around 3000 BC where the wine played an important ceremonial role. And um, most Egyptian wine was actually red, but there was some evidence that they might have had white wine in that period as well. Now, nobody knows exactly when wine 
was first uh, introduced in ancient Greece. It's, it's a, a drink that's associated with Greece very much. Um, but it was known that the Minoans, the Greek ancestors who lived around 2700 BC, um, had wine, were making wine, and it's definitely you know, an important part of Greek culture. Now, this is really an interesting fact, Alice. Because the same grape varieties used in today's Greek wines have been growing in Greece and nowhere else for centuries, modern Greek wine is believed to be very similar to its ancient counterpart. Hmm. So, so it hasn't changed much horticulturally. No, and probably wine drinks would say it hasn't gotten much better yeah. <laughs> either. <laughs> in 2000 years. I know, I'm a snob. Let's get into the Romans. Now, ancient Rome, <laughs> when the Romans got their hands on winemaking, they really turned it into an art and a science. It was a huge part of the Roman diet and for all classes. And as the Roman Empire grew, various provinces began competing with each other and with Rome itself in producing the best quality wines. And it was during this period that there was revolutions in grape growing and harvesting technologies that are still being used today. The Romans developed the bottles and the barrels that are used for the first time for storage and for shipping. And they developed the appellation system mm -hmm. that was you know, developed to track the geographical areas of grapes where certain wines were grown. So most of Europe's most famous winemaking regions were established by the Romans. Sure. Which is really That's interesting. That's why they kept spreading their empire. <laughs> yeah. They needed, they needed to give those soldiers a lot of heavy drink yeah. to keep them moving <laughs> north. Keep moving north. You know, right. just follow and the west. wine. <laughs> so, um, actually, this is also an interesting fact. A bottle of Roman wine was discovered in a sarcophagus in Germany, which is very interesting. The Germans were drinking Italian wine then, too. Mm -hmm. um, it was found in the late 1800s, and the contents are actually preserved. Mm-hmm. This bottle dates from around 327 A.D., and the wine is topped with a viscous liquid believed to be olive oil. So adding olive oil was a common way of preserving wine at the time. The oil floated to the top of the bottle and kept the wine from evaporating. And apparently, it was more effective than a cork plug. It kept the contents of this bottle intact for almost 2,000 years. Do you know when that was found? That was found in the 1800s. In the 1800s, right. So it's 2,000 years old, hmm. and it's still liquid. It hasn't evaporated. Yeah. So then, of course, you know, wine continued to be made. In medieval Europe, it was a drink of the royalty, the nobility, the priesthood, of course, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and the merchants. The peasant classes drank mostly ale because they could make it at home cheaply. Uh -huh. um, of course, it's a big part of the Catholic ceremony, and... Monasteries throughout Europe became the main wine producers and exporters, particularly the Benedictines in, in France and in Germany. And they had white and red wine um, in medieval society. And, and wine then was actually drunk while it was very young. And it was flavored with spices and honey, and it was actually watered down. Mm -hmm. So there wasn't this purity that we sort of associate with great wine that That's today. how I learned to drink wine was water the French way, my father would. With a little bit of water. Yeah. Um, and, of course, the grapes were brought to the Americas by the Spanish explorers to provide wine for the Catholic ceremony and, and also for the priests to drink privately, <laughs> I'm sure. Um, and for centuries, American wine was considered sort of second rate mm -hmm. in comparison to European varieties. But I think that that is changing a lot. And what I found really interesting from a, from a horticultural point of view is that the Vitis vinifera, or the native grape of the Eurasian region, 
uh, was bred with our Native American grape species when it was brought over here. And it created these hybrids that um, helped make the grape resistant to that horrible insect pest that grapes are prone to called phylloxera. Right. This phylloxera had decimated Europe's vineyards. Mm -hmm. So the American rootstocks actually saved and helped reestablish their European vineyards. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. American hardiness kind of, you know, improved upon the European, you know, varieties. So I thought that was a kind of nice way nice to marriage yeah right. exactly so let's talk now about um mario who's on the line and who has been making grapes um for several years and he actually taught a class um a few years ago at the horticultural society of new york and he does this by blending different um california grapes and using um techniques for preservation that would have been familiar to the ancient Romans. That's right. Now Mario's um, family comes and Carmen's family comes out of Naples, uh, outside of Naples. Mm -hmm. So this is a very long tradition. And um, tell us Mario, uh, when is the best time of the year to plant grapes? Let's talk first with before we make it, how we let's talk about the the vine and, and the grape. Well, the best time when to plant the the branches, if you can select uh, the grape that you want, you know, from uh, people that they sell uh, grapes, uh, vine, or branches, or whatever, is the best time is in March. In March. February, March, when the the branch, the dormant. Okay. so you could plant in the ground or you could plant into the uh, uh, plastic vase or mm-hmm. uh, terracotta vase or whatever. So you plant, you cut the, uh, the branch and uh, you put uh, like a two, three, four inches of the less year uh, branch. Uh, and, uh, and then you could put the new uh, shoot. Okay. So it has to be some part of the bottom of the old last year branch. Okay. Okay. And you plant into this vase and you water it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And or you can put them on the ground, like I say, and then it water it. And then maybe next year you're able to uh, to plant, uh, replant, I should say. Okay. Uh, anything. Uh, uh, when you replant again, it has to be also in March, April. So when it comes to October, you prune because the shoots come out at like a three, four different highs. So you shoot and uh, you cut the, 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 the new one and leave it three, four highs on the brain, just okay. that one and so forth, okay? Okay, so what are the best conditions then for grapes to grow in? Well, the best condition to grow grapes has to be a dry soil, like a hilly kind of, California kind of, and if sandy kind of dirt or land, it doesn't make a good wine. It has to be hilly and uh, so that the soil it is dry, is mm-hmm. no water. Okay, so kind of um, the soil but, needs to be loamy and a little gravelly. Yes. And they like to grow on slopes and hillsides, right? Exactly. Okay, and good air circulation and good drainage. Absolutely. It has to be a, a, a rocky kind of soil, uh, and then it'd be f- much, much uh, 
good quality wine. Okay. And what kind of fertilizer, Mario? Well, usually uh, what I come from, uh, we not use uh, fertilizer per se chemical. Uh, we used to use uh, manure. In other words, whatever the cow, the horses. Uh-huh. So we used to dig around the plant that put some of this uh, cow manure or uh, horse manure. Compost. Good. Compost. Okay. Yeah. So, and then, do you do that if you're using the cutting, um, you can use that same sort of fertilizer as well, organic? Well, when you could do the cutting, you don't put any because it got too much acid over there. So, the plant is, is new and you don't need it. Just to plant dirt, it's just fine. Okay. Regular, regular garden soil, as long as it drains well, right? Exactly. Because the fertilizer, even a natural one, could burn the new cutting. Exactly, because, okay. you know, usually if you put this uh, compost, it got acid in, and, and, you know, never can kind of root Too or much. anything. Right. Yeah, and it's important to, to note that you don't take the manure directly from the animal. It has to be composted. Any exactly. manure cannot well, be... Well, usually they used to take it the, 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 from the animal, you know, the, 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 from the A's that they used oh, to... Oh, from the, the bedding, the bedding. And, so on okay. and, so forth, and they used to put it into the big uh, tank, and they stay over there. Oh, so it really has to be composted manure, you know, it exactly. can't, can't be you fresh. You cannot take it from the animals that put it next to the plant, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, we have to make that clear, we, otherwise okay. people might go around following cows. And now, right. I, I know this is, a big, this is a big topic of conversation in Carmen's family, <laughs> is the pruning of the vines, Mario. You have many, many opinions on this. Tell us about how to prune the vines. Well, after, like I say, you plant and they say new shoots, you should, uh, you put them, let's say, in the ground. Now it's no more in the vase, it's in the ground, okay? Uh-huh. So you plant uh, like a, a, about six feet apart, or eight feet, ten feet, depends the quality of the grape vine. So when it's on the ground and the, the new shoot come up, usually they take uh, like a five, six, seven shoot. So you cut back the shoots and you leave it, Maximum three or four shoots, and you leave three, four highs on the new shoots, and the rest you cut it down, and then you tie it with a with a willow uh, tree kind of thing, so some uh, uh, natural kind of uh, rope. Okay. But this is basic the way you uh, treat, and you cut uh, cut it down the new shoot. You can cut the new shoot like uh, maybe. January, February, depending the the condition. If it's you in New York, you cannot cut in January or February no. because it's very cold. Right. So it freezes the, the cutting. So you cut them in uh, like a March, April. But if you're in California, you can cut in, in December, January, February, so on and so forth. Yes, okay? because if you prune, the, the sap starts running. Right. So exactly. You, you got what well, you got to prune it when it's when it's dormant. Dormant, right? Yeah. Before and it leaves out. You cannot prune later in April because and then all all the juice, all the sap come out. Mm-hmm. That's right. So you got to catch yeah. it the right time to prune. If you cut it too late. Then it will it will be really bad for the vine and a, right. lot, a lot of I happen to have uh, a vine that my dad planted many years ago, and my uncle comes and <laughs> just does it at the right time. Yeah, he just magically whether, whether whether I want it or not. Robin calls him the grape fairy. 
comes yeah. and he prunes it. But for those of you who don't have an Uncle Nunzio um, who comes and appears at the right time, it's really important to pay attention to the weather and to what's happening on the vine, you know? Yeah. Tell well, us. Wh- what about the pergolas? Like yeah. the vine on the pergola? That's, you know, kind of. It's the, the same principle. It's the same, basically the same principle. The only thing on the pergola, you leave a little more sh- a new branch. So this way, whatever purple you make, you, you know, you have enough uh, shade because if you leave a few on top of the purple and then you now have enough leaves and new shoot. So you can leave a little more branch, like the, the vine that you plant in the, in the ground, you leave it three, four, two, depends on, on the vine. Right. On the purple, you leave a little more, but still you're going to leave it three, four eyes on the new shoot. Just in case one, if you only leave one and that eye is dead, because remember yeah, right. you're, you're cutting, eye, you're not gonna, you have nothing. Uh, have any any grape or anything? So tell us a little bit about the difference between how to grow table grapes versus um, wine grapes. There's a little bit of difference in how you how you grow them. Well, the principle, the plantation, everything is the same, the, mm-hmm. with the exception of uh, the the eating grape, the way we make uh, in Italy, also in California. Other parts of the world, it's a more delicate grape because it's, you know, the the the, the it's bigger, okay? Yes. And uh, it's got uh, it's a more sweet, and easily to to attack by uh, by uh, you know mosquitoes or other bugs. Insects. So you plant a little high, not too low to the ground. You plant like eight eight feet high, and then. And the principle, the carving, and everything is the same. Okay. So what you do, and then you, this usually, in Italy, we cover. You cover net. it. It was some kind of mm. net, I don't know, like a, a mesh, cloth, a shade say. cloth or something, a shade cloth? Is that what yeah, you're talking like about? Yeah, like a shade cloth mm-hmm. that you, to protect from environmental kind of problem, like a, you know, come uh, like hell, you know, ice, for, you know, sure. and uh, they Heavy rain. destroy that. So you mm-hmm. you put uh, that one over, and that's why then uh, in the region of uh, Puglia, that they grow very, very fine uh, Moscatel kind of grape. For eating. Uh, for eating grapes, yes. And uh, you when you cover and then you can cut some of the the leaves and the branches. So this way, when you look at it, it's gold, like a, really, really like a gold. Wow. It's protect. You, you, the spray is the same principle with the spray and everything. Okay. And then wine, if you want to grow uh, grapes for winemaking, don't you grow them much lower to the ground? Tell us a little bit about yes, that. The, 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 the grapes that you make the wine, it's you grow low. And otherwise, closer to the, to the ground, you get the heat from the from the dirt, from the ground, so you get more sugar into the into mm. the grape. Okay, I understand. Because the the ground, the the sun hit the it's the, 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 the soil and come back into the grape. Right, and you cut those hard every year. Oh yes, yes, yeah. you're gonna cut very hard. Whereas the table grapes, you really just find two or three main leaders. Right, and and keep those growing each year and, right. and that's why you have to thin them every year right the, the, the vine it's more thinner you make it better off you get results 
Okay. 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 Um, I guess let's talk a little bit about spraying the vines. Aren't grapes very prone to diseases? Yeah, they're very, very. Now, uh, to, to spray the grape, don't matter if it's, a, uh, uh, a, let's say, a grape for wine or grape to eat in, every time there rains or humidity, fog, next day you got to you got to spray with copper and sulfide. Okay. You know, it's percentage now. Can I give it to you, the percentage? But so the copper and the sulfide prevent the, for the fungus. It, no fungus and no bugs go into that. It repels the insects. Right. It repels them. Yes, yeah, the, the insects doesn't go. Uh, I'll I give you an example. The same kind of principle used for the tomato. Okay. Mm-hmm. Copper and sulfide, and uh, you get it's not chemical. This stuff comes from the ground. It's from natural, the stone. right? Actually, they sell it as Bordeaux mixture in a lot of shops. It's called Bordeaux mixture. It's a dust, right? And it has the copper sulfate together mm-hmm. in it, so it makes it easy. That's why air circulation is so important. Yeah. with these crops, uh, we have to take a break, Mario. We'll be mm. back with you in one second, mm-hmm. and we'll get into the basics of natural home winemaking. Your okay. specialty. And when you come over, okay. I, I make you drunk. Very good. Thanks. <laughs> You're listening to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. Okay, we're back, and you're listening to We Dig Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. We are speaking with Mario DeVito, my dad, about how to grow uh, grapes, good grapes, and how to make wine. So isn't this about the time you start making wine? Yes. So now it started, actually, the California grape that I buy, they started picking mid-August, okay? End of July, mid-August. Okay. It got through... Depends the quality of the grape until September. Okay. So now you buy the grape, depends the quality of the grape that you want, and you bring it home, okay? And then after that, you take the grape from the box. It's a machine which separates the grape from the stem. So Mario, you don't take your shoes off and step on them, do you? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got Alice. You got to clean your feet. <laughs> so you, it depends on much wine you make. So you you use uh, uh, the separator, a, a pl- uh, you know, resin a kind of plastic a container, and you put this uh, machine over. But is it a grape so crusher, right? Grapes, so you trim inside there. Okay. And this machine will separate the grape. From the from the, the same. From wait, the, is it is yeah. it an electric machine or is it? Yes, it could be manual. It could be electric. It depends. Okay. okay. So after that, so you got all the grape into this uh, big uh, uh, container. Okay, 
And uh, you take that, uh, you, the first thing you do, because now you, 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 inside that big container, it's, all, it's uh, only the grape and the juice. Okay. So you take it like a thermometer, a special to measure the, the juice. The How sugar. much sugar is got into the juice. Okay. Usually, if it's a good year, it takes about maybe between 22 to 25, and then you really, really... If you know have a good grip, it could be 18 to 20. So a lot of people, they have sugars and other stuff, which I know do that. I, I make sure when I buy the grape, I squeeze uh, like a, a full grape, and they have to see how much sugar is got in there. You taste it? Is that what you do? Yes. Okay. So you can you taste test it before no, you buy the grape. I taste, so I take my thermometer with me, and I squeeze a full bunch of grape into that. Uh, it's like a tube, you know? You okay. Know? It's okay. a tube. You fill up and then you put the thermometer in, and that one uh, uh, measures the sugar. Okay. And where so, do you where do you buy the grapes, Mario? I buy usually uh, in Brooklyn. They have a Canasi market. Okay. That you can buy, or you could go to Colorado in Jersey, which oh, is yeah. one of the largest uh, bring a grape. I mean. You got many, many different varieties from Zinfandel to uh, Cabernet, everything, right? Everything. I mean, he's got everything. You could choose. And usually, what I do, I blend to get a more bouquet kind of like a. I take a Shirad and I put a different kind of grape. My percentage was like 80 20, something like that. Okay. So it's the Mario DeVito blend. Right. I, sometime, like a few years ago, I blended five different grapes, but the wine is also unbelievable, unbelievable good. But anyway, so after you measure the sugar, so now you got everything inside there. The stem is out because the stem, if you t- taste, it's sour. So you don't want the stem inside the grape. Okay. You want them out there okay. because otherwise it turns the wine. Yeah. Little sour, okay? Okay. So now you got the sugar, you got the, you measure the sugar, let's say 25, take it just to guess it, it's 25%. So you see, uh, you cover it with a cloth, you know, any mesh, any cloth, so this way, any bugs goes in and so on and so forth. After that, you wait, if the weather is up. So maybe in a couple of days, it started fermenting immediately. Okay. Because we don't put enough uh, chemical fermentation or any yeast, any natural. It's got to ferment natural. Right. And it does ferment down there. I've seen that. Yeah. So <laughs> ferment, started ferment that you see that the grape rise and the juice goes down. So every day you go over there with this thermometer, you measure. And you see that the, the sugar level goes down and the alcohol level goes up. Okay. So when it reach. Uh, uh, let's say between zero and five percent, you take the juice out, okay, and you put them either in the barrel, okay, or in the demijohn. A demijohn is like a giant glass um, jug, yeah. basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So after you do that, that's right. <laughs> Excuse me. I was just talking about that's what they put moonshine in down south. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, after that, so when you put them in the damage or 
into the into the barrel, wood barrel, barrel is the best. Mm-hmm. So you leave at least uh, maybe 18, maybe, I don't know, 14 to 18 inch uh, low because the, the, the juice, now it keeps it fermented. Right. Not because we bring it up to zero to five and stop ferment, no. You put them into the barrel, it's still fermenting, and, and, or into the damijan, is still It's going to continue, so, right. Mm-hmm. So you, you have to leave like room. You need below the, the top. Okay. So now you take the rest, all the skin, all the grip skin, and you put it into the presser. Okay. So you put it into the presser, and you compress that. So now all the, all the flavor from the skin, because actually the color... And the flavor that comes from the skin. Right. So you take that and you fill up the damijan or the barrel up to, let's say, eight, eight inches from the top. And okay. you leave it, you know, you cover it up with a little mesh or something. So wait, how long uh, did you leave it in the wine press for? Oh, nothing, because you keep pressing. You keep pressing until nothing comes out anymore. Oh, okay. So you keep just so keep you twisting. So you basically mm-hmm. that the juice come out from the presser, mm-hmm. and you add them into the into the damijan. So this way, that's uh, the power. That's the more alcohol uh-huh. that come from the skin and okay. so on and so forth. That's where the power is. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, and his wine is powerful. Uh, yes, it is. <laughs> anyway, so after you do that, so you still leave it open. No clothes because it could explode because the one that <laughs> sure the pressure yeah yeah the pressure of the fermentation yeah so after the, that you did that and you go that's what I told my daughter Carmen you go with the heel on top of the damage and you see it yeah. still sizzle of it you, you have know. to listen I mean to tell ferment you cannot close yeah yes. right after that you close. After you, no more sizzling inside the, the damijan or the barrel. Uh-huh. After that, you close it with the cork, with the, with the uh, hole in the middle, and there's a, like a air, air, what do you call it? It has like an air valve or a gauge, a and it's a special cork. Come out. Mm-hmm. So you put in the, in, the, in the head valve a little bit of water. So this way, any time a bubble, air goes out, nothing goes in. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because the worst enemy for the wine is air. Right. As the ancient Romans uh, discovered. <laughs> yep. So, after you st- st- do that, you, you keep them inside there. You keep them watching all the time. It's if any uh, bubble, big bubble come out. That's, uh, so, and after that, let's say you, you make the wine in September. So, September, October, November, December, you, you don't touch the wine. When they come in January, between January and February, you, f- you filter with an electric uh, filter, an electric pump, I should say. You filter that wine. You Wait. transfer between that damijan and another clean damijan. Okay, so it's important. So it's important that it, the wine has to sort of really stop fermenting before you filter it. Correct? Absolutely. It has to completely and that's stop about, fermenting. Oh, it has to be, so what it do is settle, you know, because when you put in a damijan, it still got a lot of uh, you know skin things inside. Sugar that, and settles. You know, yeah. like, uh, you know, and uh, so it must be that there has to be. 
So you filter, you transfer one or the other, one or the other, and then you full up up uh, to, let's say, <coughs> for a few few inches above the top. Okay. Like a four inches or something like that. So uh, you all the damage has to be absolutely filled. All okay. the bottle filled. You cannot leave it. No air inside there. After okay. that, you take oil, vegetable oil, like the Roman used to do it, uh-huh. and you put them on top of like one inch. Okay. And you put it back at the cork. And that prevents air escaping. Exactly. Air escaping going inside there. You don't want that. Okay. So are you leaving there with the, with the air valve on top? And with the water again, a little bit, so nothing's happened. Okay. And uh, that's uh, basically the way you keep it. Now, if you want to drink that wine, because you filter now in January or February, you, the young wine, you could drink it in May, May, April, May, you could drink. That's the new wine. The that's new wine. That's called new exactly. wine. Exactly. So if you want to age the wine, so, and then you keep it there for... One, he, you know, do nothing else. You just to keep him in the damage on, on the and the wood barrel. Then when you decide after one year, to usually I do at least a two years. Okay. Uh, after that, I take it and I bottle. You bottle in it the, in the in the in the, in the uh, glass bottle. Put the corking. Uh huh. corking, and I put in the storage. I have a machine, I can put a 500 bottles on a temperature 50, 55, constantly. And that machine, it give me the humidity, give me a... Yeah, it's a, a wine a, refrigerator. Yeah. It's a kind of refrigerator, but right. it's special for wine. Mm-hmm. Okay. So and this you, is put, you put a face down, okay. you know, yeah. and you keep in there for, let's say, I usually keep it for another year. And then I started, I started to get out and drink it with friends or give it away some friends that, you know. So it's really important that it, it's really important. I want to stress that it, it has to be at that temperature because this wine has no sulfites or preservatives. If you don't keep it at that temperature, it will go sour. Is that right. correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Then you, you also, when you, let's say you, you have an F bottle, you open it up at the bottle and you, you drink only F. So the other half, the biggest shoe, it goes into the fridge, corking again. Okay? Yes, yeah. So, and uh, you could drink whatever you want, nothing go bad. But if you take that wine and you put it under high temperatures, it's going to be vinegar. Which vinegar. is also useful. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, you could do the <laughs> salad there with that. Yeah. Yes, but we don't need, uh, you know, 100 gallons of it. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, Mario, I would love to uh, one day make this wine with you. I've certainly tasted several bottles that you've made, and it always it always makes me right, I should say. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> uh, you know, Alice, I, I push you to drink more, but you, 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 you say less of it. <laughs> yeah, well, because the alcohol content is probably 30%. <laughs> I always tell my friends, my dad no, makes great should, wine. Know, it's not true, because <laughs> the most alcohol left in the way that I process like that, maybe it's 14. 13, 13, right. 13 25, something like that, the most. Well, mm-hmm. depends on the grape, the ear, the sugar, all the other situations. Exactly. It's still to be taken with food. 
Yeah. You've got to think of some steak, good steak, good piece of Parmigiano cheese. Yeah. Then you have a nice red a glass of red wine. Well, I invite everyone to try and make some wine, and if they can get their way over to Carmen's house, um, they sure have a good dinner on their table for right. Mr. Yeah, DeVito. Right. I left a couple of red wine last night over there. You can enjoy <laughs> yourself. <laughs> we will. We will. <laughs> Thank you, Mario, for being our guest and for helping us with the one, two, threes of how to make homemade wine. We're happy that you could join us and share your knowledge. Why not? Anytime you come over, anything you want to know about wine, we're ready. Me and my wife, we're we glad to have it over. The, okay? next, the next show I want to do with you is how to make sausage, Mario. <laughs> I can't believe you went down right. that road. <laughs> I told you a long time ago about this sausage. You don't want to listen All right, to you've been listening to Heritage Radio <laughs> Network, and we dig plants. Italian sausage. Thank you. <laughs> to Roberta's Pizza. The joke I told you last night. Okay. All right, you can't repeat it on the radio. 261 Moore Street in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Thanks, Mario. <laughs> The show has been produced by Jack Inslee and engineered by Nat Wiener. Join us on Facebook, Groundworks Inc. We dig plants. We love your feedback. And we'll be posting some great resources about winemaking and wine uh, and grape growing. Thanks for listening. See you in the vineyard. Happy gardening. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>